We're going to be in the book of James this morning, James chapter 3. And we're going to talk about a situation, of course, that's been around since the foundation of the church. And that is the inability for me and for you and for people in the church to tame our tongues. And maybe, you know, you've heard many sermons or lessons on this, or maybe you've read in the chapter that we're reading today, and you may feel like you have a pretty good grasp of that and understanding what that means. And then as I study it, I realize maybe not so much because I find myself saying, well, I do that, and I do that, and I do that. And the, the sad thing is that there is a lost world um, who are using their eyes and their ears to watch us and to listen to us as we are verbally lashing out at not just them, not just unbelievers, but also to each other. And we're using our tongue, and it is a vicious, it can be a very vicious weapon and hurtful thing, our tongues. And maybe they're thinking as they see us do that, you know, I wonder if I went to their church, if they would talk to me or talk about me like that. And if that's the case, maybe I don't want to go to that church. Or maybe people in all churches are like that. And I don't want anything to do with any of that. And I think that over the years we've all come to realize that broken bones on our, in our bodies will heal a lot quicker than the wounds that are inflicted by an out-of-control tongue. And if you don't believe that, then... I want you to think about your childhood, especially if you're my age or older or around my age. And I want you to think about the things that people said that hurt you to the core. And do they still bother you a little bit? Is it still hurtful? Does it still affect you and the way you live your life today? And you see in that moment how powerful the tongue is and what the tongue can do. And... A lot of us, most of us, if not all of us, have suffered the aftermath of a tongue lashing of some sort. Uh, I think we could all say that we have. I will say, too, though, that some of the most encouraging words I've ever heard have come from the mouths of good Christian people. Comma. <laughs> and some of the most discouraging words I've ever heard have come from good Christian people. And I count myself as one of those people. Um, you know, our tongue, as, as far as Scripture goes, and we'll find this out in a few minutes, our tongue can either burn things down, be destructive, and tear things down, or they can build up. We can essentially, we can speak words that bring death, or we can speak words that bring life. So I thought about what kind of a title... Uh, we could use for today, and I thought about a tongue depressor, and I thought, you know, how great would it be if we all carried a little tongue depressor around? You know what that is? It's that stick that the doctor, I don't know if they do it anymore. They used to pull, hold your tongue down with it so they could look at the back of your throat. I think that's the, the use for that. Is that right? Wouldn't it be great if we all had a tongue depressor, and when somebody started saying something we didn't like, we could just stick it in our mouth and hold their tongue down? You thought I was going to say, if we all had a tongue depressor and we started talking bad, we could stick it in our own mouth, right? 
Maybe that would be a better application. But you know what? Words that we say are destructive, and they can bring out about depression. So we're talking about tongue depressors. You know, I don't want my tongue to depress people. I don't want my words to hurt people. I don't want to be destructive by the things that I say. I want to lift people up and edify people and encourage people. And so we get to the book of James this morning, and a lot of biblical scholars believe that James is a book that helps us with practical Christian living. And I, I like that because I like practical kind of sounds to me like easy to understand, easy to apply. Uh, and I want to live the life that Christ wants me to live. So James is a very helpful book in that respect. But also we see a lot, we probably see more in this book about the tongue than any other book of the Bible. So it helps me think that maybe understanding about my tongue and what it can do is going to help me with practical Christian living. You know, we talk about sometimes it's just so hard to be a Christian. It's so hard to say the things that need to be said and do the things that need to be done. So anytime somebody says, well, here's a practical tip for you. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all ears. And I want to hear what they have to say. So let's do that. Let's be all in. Let's be all ears. And let's read James chapter 3, beginning with verse number 2. For in many things we offend all. In other words, we all mess up. Uh, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell." For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been named of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. In other words, we bless God with our mouth and our tongue, but then we go over here and we curse men with the same mouth, with the same tongue. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. And then a statement straight from the heart of God. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. These things ought not to be. So we look at ourselves physically as God has created us. And we see, we see two eyes, we see two ears, we see two nostrils. We see one mouth. And we know that the eyes, the ears, and the nose, what they do is they help us to become aware of our surroundings. We're able to see, we're able to hear, we're able to smell. So we become aware of our surroundings with these. And then with our tongue, we comment on those surroundings. So 
even by design, we see that God wants us to listen more than we speak. Now, I want to I wanna turn that around to me, and I want to ask myself, do I listen more than I speak? And I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes if you get me started, I, don't, I won't shut up. There's a good place to laugh. That's good. Thank you. Because if you didn't laugh, I would think you're thinking in your head, amen, you never shut up. But I, I do, and, and, and you know, sometimes if you have an audience or if you've got somebody that's really paying attention, uh, you, it seems like you can just go on and on and on. And I, I, I need to remember that because a lot of times people need to tell you something, need to tell me something. And if I'm spending all my time running my mouth, there's no time for them to say anything. And it's just good practical advice to listen. Maybe listen more than we speak. Because what God has done, what He's given us, He, he has given us the power of the spoken word. Um, I, think, I think we're understanding how important it is, the things that we say. We talk about the word of God. We, think about, we talk about the things that God says. The way that He inspired the writers of the Bible to write, the things that they said. These things have shaped our lives as Christians. The, the words that God spoke to the men who wrote the Bible, who then spoke to other people by writing these things down, you see how powerful the, word, the spoken word is. The, the word of God has changed my life. Has it changed yours? Yes. Has it changed your life? It is okay to respond. Yes. And so, you're still scared about using your tongue, aren't you? So, that's the, the, the spoken word is a powerful thing. And that's why today, even today, so many people are in bondage. And the, the conflict maybe that they feel is because it can be traced back to, to, their, to their tongues, things that they said, things that I said, things that I wish that I hadn't said. And because I said certain things to certain people, the relationship has, has become strained and, and awkward and it affects how I, how I act and how I behave and how I relate to people sometimes. And so I look at the Bible and the Bible talks to me about sowing and reaping. And it tells me what I sow, I will reap. So you know how that works in agriculture. If you sow corn, what are you going to reap? What? Yes, very good, very good. So if we sow, if we sow uh, wheat, what are we going to get? Very good, all right. So you understand the principle there. What if we sow words of destruction? What are we going to reap? Destruction. If we sow words of life, we're going to reap life. So the power of the spoken word cannot be underestimated and you're, I think it's safe to say, too, that our tongue is going to shape our character. The way that you speak, the words that you use, it's going to shape also the opinion that other people form about me and that they form about you. And so I'll say this. I know, I know people that are always negative. I know Christian people that are always negative. And, and sometimes no matter how positive you try to put a spin on things, there's always something negative to come, come back. And I've, I've felt those feelings. I've, I've been that way before. I told you I had a bad week this week. 
I wanted to be a little negative some of this week. But I also have, have, have found that if I'm using positive words and I'm trying to be positive and I'm trying to let the Holy Spirit guide me, then what comes back to me is very similar to that. So you understand reaping what you sow. And what you put out there is, is what you're going to get back. So I guess we could say that a person is eventually going to get what his or her mouth says. You're eventually going to get what you're saying. Uh, this can be applied this way. Uh, if I'm constantly saying, I cannot, I can't, I can't, I cannot, I can't, I can't, then I'm not going to be able to do it. And the opposite is true. I can. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And what ends up happening is I'm able to do it. But if I'm constantly saying negative things, I create a negative environment, and it's going to create negative results. If I try to be positive, it's going to create a positive environment, and I'm going to have positive results. You reap what you sow. So would you accept a challenge? Would you try maybe for the next 48 hours, all of us in here today, would we try to speak only positive, helpful, and hopeful things about our jobs? Let that sink in. About our jobs. Some of you are like, I don't work anymore. Okay. About your family. Positive, hopeful things about your family. Positive and hopeful things about your children. Positive and hopeful things about your parents, grandchildren, grandparents. How about positive and hopeful things about your health? How many of you are constantly saying, oh, I'm out of shape, I'm overweight, I have high blood pressure, I'm on the verge of diabetes or I've got it, uh, I've, just, I've just gone so far that there's no point in trying now. And you're just giving up. But it's never too late, is it? Put a positive spin on it. Boy, I've done bad here. But you know what? From here on, I'm going I'm to do good. I'm going to be positive about this thing. I'm going to see what I can do to, to make things better. And, and there's a difference in what you put out there and what you're going to get back. Would you be willing to accept that challenge? I want you to think about that as we, as we talk the next few minutes. So I think your tongue and my tongue reflects who we really are. It reflects our true character. It reveals the real you and it reveals the real me. And this is something else that James said back in chapter 1. We're not going to pull that up, but it's in chapter 1, verse 26. He said, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, then you're just fooling around and your religion is worthless. And if you study that word religious, in the Greek, what it translates to is fearing and worshiping God. So what James is saying here, and listen to this, what he's saying is, you claim to fear and worship God, and you don't control your tongue. You're kidding yourself, and your worship is worthless. That's a pretty powerful statement to be made. And chapter 3 helps us to understand why. Because we're using the same tongue to bless and worship God that we use to turn around to say ugly things, to lash out to our brothers and our sisters. And then he finishes up with that statement that I said was straight from the heart of God. These things should not be so. These things should not be so in my life or in yours. Now, our scripture started today with a statement that basically means everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. 
everybody is going to say the wrong thing every once in a while. But I will say this. I don't think the world, the world may not know very much about God. The world may not know and may not care very much about God. But what I think the world does sometimes understand is that Christians, Christians, that means you and me, are supposed to respond to people differently than non-Christians. We're supposed to respond to other people's mistakes differently than, than the rest of the world does. The statement has been said, and I'm sure you've heard this, that Christians shoot their own wounded. The world looks at how William treats other people. The world looks at how William treats brother, his brothers and sisters in Christ. What does the world see when they look at that situation? Do they see a man that we know if you are supposed to be a Christian, you're supposed to be behaving and talking better than you are. Do they see that or do they see, well, I think that's kind of how a Christian should act. I think that's kind of how a Christian should speak. That's what I want and that's what I long for. But, again, people will say, if, I, if I'm going to be treated the same way that they're treated and they go to church and all that kind of stuff, I don't want anything to do with church. And we know that's exactly what they need. They need a relationship with Christ. And one of the best places that you can learn about Jesus and what he's done for you is at the church. But if the church people are not acting like Christ, then what's the draw? Scripture says, if you lift him up, it will draw men to him. But if I'm using my tongue to tear people down, then people are going to run in the other direction when they see me coming, when they see you coming. And then the Bible goes a little bit further here. It says that the tongue, it compares the tongue to fire. And it compares the tongue to deadly poison. And that's pretty strong. Those are pretty strong words. This tongue is capable of doing a lot of things. It can edify people, or it can build people up, or it can tear people down. It can burn people down. This tongue right here, you want to see it? <laughs> this tongue right here is capable of starting big, big fires. Big fires that are hard, if not near impossible, to put out. You know, what seems at the time to be a, a seemingly harmless phrase or word or statement that I might make can devastate a person, can devastate a marriage, can devastate a friendship. It can devastate even countries and nations. And yes, it can even devastate a church. So I think a lot of people, a lot of us would not be where we are now if we had not engaged in conversations that we've engaged in in the past. We would be different people. We wouldn't have certain feelings that we have if we hadn't been involved in certain conversations, whether it's something the other person said or whether it's something that we said. Maybe people that we used to be friends with, we might still be friends with them if we had learned how to glue our lips together. You know, Maybe homes would still be together if couples would learn to be a little bit more careful with the words that they use. And maybe... Maybe our lives would be shaped a little bit differently if we weren't victims of some type of abuse from when we were younger. Our lives would be different. 
whatever that abuse, abuse may be. And I think part of our problem as a church, church, is that we try to bring principles of the world into the church. You know, it's supposed to be the opposite. We're supposed to take what we learn here out there to help people so they can see Christ, so they can know who Christ is, and they can long for a relationship with Him for themselves. But too many times we're trying to bring what's out there in here. And I'm going to mention one thing that is very important to everybody in this country, and that is freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. We have that mindset. I should be able to say what I want to say, when I want to say it, how I want to say it, and to whom I want to say it to. Because I have freedom of speech in this country. I saw that video. I was stirred with, with uh, patriotism. And I will not forget. And if I have a chance, I will speak my mind. Because I have freedom of speech. And there is nothing wrong with having freedom of speech. As long as, and this is the stipulation, and this is what I want you to hear. As long as your mind has been transformed and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, you can start a fire that may, may be close to near impossible to put out. So speak your mind and, and speak it in love as long as your mind has been transformed and it has been renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because here is what helps us to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. I have no power on my own to control my tongue. Have you ever just, have you ever just, it's all you could, you couldn't wait to say what you were thinking. You know, you were just like, you were like, you know, just, you're just ready to get it out. And you're thinking, you just wait till you shut up for a pair of minutes so I can say what I want to say. Because it's going to be hard and it's going to be fast and you better be sitting down because it's going to hurt. And <laughs> we can't control our own tongues. We don't have that, that power. That's why Paul said we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to allow the Lord to rule our lives. And we need to put our tongue under the control of God, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, then we're going to be able to speak the words of God. And the words of God are life-giving words if we're under the control of the flesh or even under the control of the enemy if we're being influenced by the enemy then what we might do is speak the words of God for a little while but eventually those other words are going to come and sometimes as Christians we feel like well my words are pretty balanced you know whenever I say something bad I try to say something good to balance it out yeah and we're even you know that's kind of how we think We'll, we'll lash out in a tirade. And then we'll say, now, now I love you. I do. That's why I, that's why I said what I said. Now, now, kids whose parents have seen that, that conversation take place or you've been in that, you listen to what your parents say because they love you. And we pray for your parents because we want them to be godly parents, giving godly advice. And I hope you pray for me as a parent. I pray for you as a parent. But what I'm talking about is when we're saying hateful, wicked, and evil things to, to hurt other people. Sometimes we are under the influence of the enemy and using things and phrases that he would have us to use. You remember when uh, Jesus was traveling with the disciples 
And he was telling them about the fact that he was going to have to die soon. And you probably remember uh, Peter saying, Far be that from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And you remember what Jesus said to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's a confusing statement. Because Satan was not standing there, was he? It was Peter. <laughs> Peter was standing there. Satan wasn't standing there. But, and Peter wasn't possessed either. Uh, don't get that idea. But what he was doing is he was allowing his tongue to speak the words of the enemy. I think more than anything else, the enemy didn't want Jesus to do what he was saying he was going to do. Don't you think he had an idea that this is going to be bad for me if this, thing, this plan comes to fruition? So let's put a little doubt in the minds of the disciples and let's have them speak contrary to what Jesus is speaking. And we, we know as children of God, we don't want to speak contrary to what God says. We don't want to go against what God says. Is there anybody in here that wants to do that? I didn't think so. We want to do what God says. So Proverbs 13, 3 tells us this. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So let's ask ourselves this question. The words that I'm using to non-believers, the words that I'm using to other believers... Are they building up or are they tearing down? Are they productive or are they destructive? And then you might be thinking, well, what's really the difference, William? And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. The difference between destructive things and productive things. Because practical is where it's at, right? We've got to understand it. got to be able to do it. So let's, let's take a look at it. This is what a tongue that is destructive excuse me, <clears throat> will say, this is what a destructive tongue will do. Number one, gossip. Gossip. A person who gossips, it's been said, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting, is the devil's broadcasting station. <clears throat> That's pretty hard to hear, isn't it? So somebody who gossips uh, according to Paul, <clears throat> is a busybody who doesn't have a fulfilling life themselves, so they have to try to ruin everybody else's life. Is that a pretty accurate statement? Why have I ever shared gossip? Is it to take the attention off of my inadequacies? Is it to make myself feel better? How do I know if I'm gossiping? Here's some questions you can ask yourself. <clears throat> you need to ask yourself every one of these questions. Is it true? How do we know it's true? Is it true? I think it's true. Well, she told me, and I don't think she lies. Everybody lies at some point. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is this necessary for me to say this? Is it really, really necessary? This might go along with that, but is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? And here's one. Here's a big one. Do I have permission to share this? Do I have permission to share this? And then finish it up with, well, is my, is my motive, the reason for me sharing this, is it pure? 
Is it pure? If we can't say yes to all of these, then it's gossip, and we need to keep our mouth shut. I need to keep my mouth shut. Gossip, destructive. Number two, lies. <clears throat> we just mentioned lies a few, a few seconds ago. Lies. Um, I don't know how many of you remember Jerry Clower. He was a, he's a comedian. He was a comedian. And uh, how many of y'all remember Jerry Clower? Okay. And he was funny, wasn't he? And, uh, and a lot of times in doing his stand-up routine, he would share the Lord with people. Imagine that, a comedian that shares the Lord with his audience. God gives every person a gift that only they can use to reach people. So he, this is a story he told. Uh, he told the story about Eugene Ledbetter. Uh, if you know Jerry Clower, you know he talked about the Ledbetters. He told a story about Eugene Ledbetter, uh, and he liked to lie. And one day, the Ledbetter's neighbor's dog had the mange, and so they shaved the dog down except for his head, except for his tail. And when Eugene saw it, he ran around yelling, lying in the yard, lying in the yard, because he looked like a lion. He had a lot of hair here like a mane at, that, at the end of his tail. So he said, lying in the yard. And so his uncle grabbed him and whooped him and sent him to his room, and he said, you asked the Lord to forgive you for lying. And about 30 minutes later, he came downstairs, Eugene came downstairs, and his uncle said, do you feel that the Lord has forgiven you for lying? And Eugene said, yes, sir. In fact, he spoke to me. And his uncle said, what did he say? And Eugene said, he said it was all right because the first time he saw that dog, he thought it was a lion too. Okay, that's very funny. But what is not funny is, is lying. And lying is not a laughing matter in the eyes of God. And if you search what God thinks about lying, you're going to find out in Proverbs 12:22 that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. So they are an abomination. And what abomination means in Hebrew is a disgusting thing. So a lie to God is a disgusting thing. It's something, if you can imagine, that would, that would turn God's stomach. He does not like lying. He loves the truth because He is truth, and He's all about the truth. And not to mention that people who tell lies, and we know they tell lies, and they perpetually tell lies, are hard to trust. So if I'm a person that tells lies, you're not, you're not going to trust me, are you? I've not given you any reason to. So gossip and lying. Let's talk about the next thing. This is interesting. Swearing and cursing. Swearing and cursing. Well, I like, I, like, I like to have a little street cred when I'm talking with my homies. So I put a little colorful word here and there, and everybody else is doing it, so I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't know what it means. I just like to say it because I sound big and bad and tough. And that's just what the people over 50 say. <laughs> you know, if we're using our, our tongue to curse and swear, we've got, we got a problem. Um, what kind of witness are we going to have if we talk like that? What kind of witness are we going to have if we talk like that? Look at it this way. Let's say, um, let's say you got a cup of, a cup of water. 
Oh, that's good. That's water. Good ice water. And somebody comes along. Let's say, let's say that J.J. comes up here, and he bumps my, my hand that's holding this cup of water. What's going to come out of this water? Ah, what's going to come out of this cup? What's going to come out of this cup? Thank you. Exactly. So what are you supposed to be filled with? Holy Spirit. So when you get bumped, what's supposed to come out of you? The Holy Spirit. Not some of the things that, that come out of us. If we have a potty mouth, let's just call it what it is. If we have a potty mouth, we're not going to have an effective witness. So we have to continually check what we're saying and, and how we're saying it. Who we're speaking to, what we're speaking. We've got to be careful because if we lose control of our tongue, our lives can spiral out of control and we're going to start misrepresenting God. Because when people hear that we're believers, that we're Christians, that we love the Lord and we know that everything that's taking place today, He's in control of everything and He's got it all. I'm, the whole world is in His hands. And then the next word that comes out of our mouth, <clears throat> you know, back in the 70s and 80s, these are the words that weren't allowed on network television. And, and then sometimes they were bleeped out. And I was watching some videos about 9-11, and some of them were really good, but you had people on the streets yelling expletives, bad words. And I thought, hmm, what would the reception be if I showed that video start down First Baptist Church tomorrow morning? And all the people are cussing. What, you wouldn't like it, would you? I know you would. So we shouldn't like it when we're around people that speak those words, and we shouldn't like it when we find ourselves speaking those words. I don't know why this is such an issue for me. Um, I say words I shouldn't say. I, I, have to, I can't tell a lie. I do. Um, there are some words I've never said, and when I hear them, I just want to. I want to crouch to the floor. It's. It's. It. It does something to me. Uh, and even though the lost world may say these words in abundance, and then I've met lost people that never curse. I mean, it's. It's, it's weird. But I think what it is is we just allow the emotion of the moment to get a, a hold of us. We get bumped, so to speak. And instead of thinking about the Holy Spirit giving me power not to say the things I want to say, they just come out anyway. And you'll beat yourself up about this, but you know what? Just pray about it. Say, God, I want my speech to honor you. Kids, if your parents have heard you say words and, you, and they've asked you to stop, try to stop. Honor your parents and represent God well. Uh, it's important what comes out of our mouth because... I don't want to misrepresent God by the things that I say and how that I say them. You know, it's so important. Even the prophet Isaiah, uh, when he had a vision, if you'll remember, he felt, he felt unclean because he had been among people with unclean lips and he asked for an, an angel, took a coal with some tongs and put it a, a, upon his lips because he felt unclean and unworthy to represent God because of that. And we need to feel the same way. My speech needs to honor God. It doesn't need to be ugly, and it doesn't need to be full of crass language and, and cursing. Think about the Tower of Babel. Speaking about the importance of the tongue, 
when people were building the Tower of Babel, what did God do to stop that? He confused what? He, he confused their being under, able to understand each other because there were different tongues. And He used that to stop, to halt production, so to speak. Because the spoken word is a powerful thing. Don't think that the, the gossip that you're sharing or the lies that you're telling or the curse words that are poured out of your mouth don't make a difference because they do. They're destructive and they tear down. So let's look at the opposite of that before we finish up today. What's a productive tongue? What does a productive tongue say? Well, let me first say that sometimes just being silent is the best thing that we can do. Just being silent. Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes that there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. A time and a season. And it says there is a time to keep silent. But we've kind of turned that upside down, I think, because... I think people a lot of times talk when we should be silent and we're quiet when we should speak. I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I think that this describes what Christians are like in today's culture. But the Bible teaches, be quick to hear and be slow to speak. And Jesus was the ultimate example of that. He was placed on trial for heresy. He was innocent. He was not guilty of anything. And instead of stand there, standing there and going through a, a long list of why he shouldn't even be there and why he shouldn't be held as he was being held and why he shouldn't even be charged, what did he do? He kept silent, didn't he? If you keep silent, nobody can share what you did or didn't say. If you keep silent, think about that. There's, that's a powerful statement. Also, a productive mouth, a mouth that builds people up, a tongue that builds people up, doesn't gossip. We've already talked about that. Also, a, a productive tongue is very interested and willing to witness, to share Christ with other people. Um, we want to continually build the kingdom of God. We don't want to tear it down, so we're willing to share and witness anytime we have an opportunity to share the gospel, we want to do that. But more than even our words, too, our words are very important, but we must, the actions and the way we live our lives have to all be in line and have to show Christ in the appropriate light. And again, let me just undergird this by saying that you, let, you, uh, you do all that by allowing Christ to work through you. Christ work through you. Let Christ do what He wants to do through you. I live the Christ life. He lives His life through me. So a life that has been transformed by Jesus Christ wants to tell other people. It wants to do that. That's, the, that's what the tongue wants to do. wants to share Christ. And as it does so, another, what, something else that the tongue does is it's a productive tongue. It speaks the truth in love. And Jesus, again, was our best example. He always spoke the truth. And He always spoke the truth in love. Love was His motivation. Love is why He did what He did. Um, he came down from heaven because He loved. He walked on this earth for 33 years because He loved. He died on the cross because He loved. He came back because He loved. He's coming back because He loves. And while he was walking 
those 33 years and at other times as well when he spoke he spoke out of love and the truth that he gave he gave out of love we should be any different any different and even though we think about this as an impossibility and especially when we're trying to talk with somebody that that is living contrary to what we believe they should doing things that we believe they shouldn't be doing living the way we, we believe they shouldn't be living uh We've got to speak the truth in love, and that's got to be a prayer. And we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do that in us. Help me speak it in love. Lord, you know what I want to do? I want to go out here and I want to give them a lashing with my tongue. But help me to speak the truth in love. I'm, I'm probably going to finish with this one. There's a few other things that, that we can talk about. Uh, I'm going to try to skip through to the most important ones here. A productive tongue does not grumble or complain. A productive tongue does not grumble or complain. We remember the wilderness, the, the Israelites in the wilderness. And, you know, they experienced some of the greatest manifestations of God that any group of people have ever seen. And yet still found plenty to grumble about as a matter of fact in first corinthians paul says that the reason that some of them died was because of their constant complaining that's why some of them died so a tongue that is productive is not going to want to grumble and complain so much as it is go going to want to, to give god thanks and praise for what he has done as a matter of fact when we when we start to grumble and complain let's check ourselves and say, but wait a minute, I've got so much to be thankful for. Let me, let me just go down what God has done. I mean, I ain't happy with this. I ain't happy with what's going on. But look what God has done. And why don't I just give this to God? Why don't I just talk to God about this? And, and let's see what we can, we can come up with. Let's just see what God can do. A, a, a productive tongue, and this is the last one I'll share with you, wants to continually, continually praise the Lord continually not stopping psalm 34 1 i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth so if you want to see god move if you want to experience that if you want to see that if you want that to be what's going on in your life then praise the lord continually praise the lord and scripture says god inhabits the praises of his people what happens when the God who is inhabiting you inhabits your praises as well? That's a, that's a God moment right there. Everything is lined up and as it should be. The God that lives in me is inhabiting my praises. What, a, what an experience. What a way to live our lives. He has given himself for these very experiences, for this, this very existence for, for us. Um, so let's praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's use our lips to praise the Lord. When we think of gossiping, Lord, thank you for reminding me that I'm not supposed to do that. I praise your holy name. When we want to say a curse word, Lord, you know I don't want to say that. I'm just going to say hallelujah instead. Hallelujah. You know, he's there. The Holy Spirit's there. That's where the power is. You have the power within you that can tame your tongue and mine
to say the things that need to be said that won't tear down, but that will build up. And practical applications are what it's all about, right? I'm, I'm reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit and how it moves and how it, it changes our hearts and reminds us of things. And I think, too, about how James told us that the tongue could be like a fire and it could burn things down. But you know the best way to fight fire is what? You fight fire with what? You fight fire with fire. And so you and I have the Holy Spirit in us. Let's fight that fire with the Holy Spirit fire. And let the Holy Spirit guide us in the things that we say. And whether we've been encouraged or not, whether people have talked to us productively and edifyingly or not, let's resolve that that's the way we're going to speak. And accept that challenge. Let's all accept that challenge to speak hopeful, helpful, positive things about, about all the areas of our lives and see what happens. See if it makes a difference. I think it will because this is instruction straight from the Word of God and He doesn't give it if we don't need it. But what a shame if He gave it and we don't use it, right? 